this morning's reading is Mark 12:29-33. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love and to love your neighbour, sorry, to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. This is the Gospel of Christ. For muscles that I did not think existed. And I've been trying to stretch them. And um, recently I got convicted that I was making a lot of effort trying to stretch my physical muscles and not making as much effort stretching my spiritual muscles. And so um, I thought today we will uh, reflect a little bit about stretching those love muscles uh, from that passage. Paul writes in first letter of Timothy, chapter 4, verse 7 to 8, Train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for the present life, and the life to come. And so we, we spend a lot of time training ourselves physically, and um, there is an invitation for us to uh, probably put a bit more effort on our spiritual exercises as well. To become godly is to become like Jesus. Although we can't do that on our own, we need God's Spirit. It is not something that happens automatically, it is something that we work on intentionally, just like sports and exercise. And one of the ways we train ourselves to be godly is to obey what Jesus asked us to do. But you know, how do we know what, what to work on? I mean, there's so much stuff in this book. Where do you even start? Well, like physical training, we've got to find the core muscles uh, that we need to work on and, and, and to find out what the main thing is and to keep the main thing the main thing. And I think from this passage in Mark, we actually find there... Uh, in this summary of the law, the main thing, the core spiritual muscle we need to be exercising. And so I want to open um, the word from Mark chapter 12 that was read to us and just uh, try and unpack that passage that is perhaps very familiar to us. We, we probably say it a lot in our, in our, in our reflections, in our prayers, um, and just unpack it a little bit more to try and explore what it means for us to exercise our spiritual muscles. So let me pray that God would um, open our hearts and our minds as we look into his word. Father, we thank you for your word and we, we thank you that um, you don't leave us in the dark. You guide us in your word. And so we pray that as we open um, the scriptures, um, that Lord, you will highlight those areas in our lives we need to be working on. Um, help us to be able to see uh, ways in which we can follow you wholeheartedly. Love you with all our hearts, our souls, mind and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so we pray that you will just make it clear to us uh, 
which way you want us to go and help us to see areas in our lives where we need to work on a little bit more. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the context of our passage in in Mark 12 is a a low expert coming to Jesus, trying to corner Jesus by asking what he considered to be a tough question. Um, What was the question that he asked uh, Jesus? He basically came and asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And and he thought that that was a pretty tricky question for Jesus. Um, You know, I've I've learned that um, in, in seeking to share faith with people who do not know Jesus, it's actually quite important to be able to notice the questions that they ask. Um, often you will be able to res- uh, respond to people. The way you respond to people when they ask questions is actually is, can, can make or break, right? You know, like, can, that, can be the end of the discussion or can open up opportunities for you to share more about Jesus. Um, I remember one time um, a friend of mine came and said to me, well, I was once asked a question by a friend who was a Muslim who uh, made the case that was arguing that the, um, that the Christians believe uh, in the Bible, but the Bible has been corrupted, because there's actually a belief in, in, in Islam that the Bible was actually corrupted. And so uh, this guy came into the Christian and said, well, you, you know, why do you believe the Bible when the Bible is corrupted? And the Christian you know, thought for a moment, and he got a, an, an idea. He said to the Muslim friend, well... If God is so powerful and he's almighty, does he not have the power to preserve his word from being corrupted, you know? And that was a pretty brilliant response to this question by, by the Muslim friend. And so in the same way, this law expert is asking Jesus the question, thinks that it's a very tough question to ask Jesus, but Jesus responds by, by saying, the most important of the commandments is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. It's a supreme command in Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 6, verse 5 as well, to love the Lord with everything. Notice the fourfold all, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. There is no room there for divided um, loyalties or affections or allegiance. It's about wholehearted devotion to the one who loves us and gave his life for us. So what I want to do is use those words, those use um, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength as a framework of helping us think through how we can grow spiritually. And so I want to explore five core love muscles that we need to stretch uh, spiritually as we seek to grow deeper in our love for God. Now we used this framework about 20 years ago when seeking to help budding leaders over in Kenya. Because we had a lot of young people coming to us uh, as leaders, as pastors in the church, who are asking the question, well, how do I grow? How do I grow as a Christian? How do I grow in, um, in my leadership? And we, we found that these sort of five key areas were helpful in shaping a discipling uh, structure for budding leaders who are growing up. We called them the five C's, five C's of love. And so what are these five C's of, uh, of love for God that we need to be exercising? Well, number one, loving the Lord, your God, with all your heart is a matter of character. Loving the Lord with all your heart is a matter of character. One person has defined character as who you are when no one is looking. Or who you are when, you, when it's in the dark. 
Character determines when, how a, a someone will act in situations. Think of yourself as a sponge. You know, what comes out when you're squeezed? <laughs> what comes out? That's character. Often we like to see the behavior. We look at the things that are outside. And we don't always look at the things that are in the heart. Our love for God is to be from the heart. Not so that people can notice but a heart, loving from the heart is real. And so how do we stretch that heart muscle, that character muscle, and, and grow in it? Well, a couple of things. One, we need to keep checking, regularly checking the condition of our hearts. You know, um, you know they tell you as you get older, you need to have your heart checked. Well, in the same way, spiritually, we need to have our heart checked regularly. I used to have a friend who would come to me and, and tell me, Steve, how are you? And of course, the response is always, you know, I'm fine, I'm okay. And, and she wouldn't be satisfied with that answer. She would look at me again, straight in the face, in my eyes, and ask me, Steve, how is your heart? And I thought, wow, well, no, nah, can't ask me that question. How is your heart, really? And, and, you know, although it was quite, I would mumble, I can't quite remember how I answered that question, but, um, but it, it made me think, you know, how is my heart really? How is my heart? Is my heart okay? Am I, am I doing all right? And, and often we look at the surface, you know, we look at sort of the things that are happening around us, but we don't always look at the, the inner core things. How is your heart? When was the last time you did a heart check? See, the Lord d- develops character in us through the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways he does that is to test our hearts, Proverbs 17 verse 3. God tests our hearts. God encourages us to, to search our hearts uh, and to see, you know, is there anything there that, that shouldn't be there? And sometimes God uses trials to strengthen our character. As we read in Romans 5, 3 and 4, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And so, we need to be searching our hearts to find out what's going on inside. Every time you feel like doing something wrong and you choose to do the right thing, you're stretching that heart muscle. And God is smiling. You know, stretching that heart muscle means that you keep your commitments even when it hurts. Keeping your word when it hurts. Now stretching that heart muscle. So we, we search our hearts, but secondly, we guard our hearts. If we want to be growing in our love for Christ, we need to guard our hearts. Proverbs 4.3, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Uh, another version says, for it determines the course of your life. Another version says, for from it flows the springs of life. Well, that's pretty important. Guard your heart, because it's a treasure. It's from it. Everything flows from it. How do we guard our hearts? By watching what we allow into our hearts. In our day and age, when we can access almost anything, um, we want to see from the smartphones that we have, from, from, the, from, the, from media, from television. Um, what does it mean for us, in our day and age, to guard our hearts, to allow only those things that... Uh, we believe are important to be, to be coming through because, of course, it comes through our eyes, it comes through our minds, into our hearts. What does it mean for us to guard our hearts? What choices do we need to be making? 
to ensure that we are actually guarding our hearts. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I love that. Do you want to hear from God more? Do you want to hear what God wants you to do? Well, keep your heart pure. Keep it pure so that it can respond to the things that um, God wants you to respond to. Taking time to keep your heart pure is a bit like detox or cleaning out your basement or the attic. You know, you know, there are those places in your life, probably in your house, you hardly go to. And one day you decide it's going to be a clean out weekend. You're going to clean out stuff. So see, you go in there and you put the light on and you are surprised to find things there that you did not expect. How many, how many have done that, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about exactly. It's the same thing. Um, it's the same thing with our hearts. You know, from time to time, we do need to go in there and find what's going on there. Why did I respond the way I responded when that person said that to me? You know, what's going on there? Why am I feeling like that? You know, nobody has said anything, but why am I feeling like that? Why is that anger coming from my heart like that? What's going on in there? Detoxing our hearts. And the Lord is able to purify our hearts when we bring to him our broken hearts. So we search our hearts, we guard our hearts, and we bring to God our broken hearts. Because our hearts will break. When we find what's going on in there, our hearts are going to be broken by the stuff that we see. We're thinking, wow, is this me really? And so the passage, this passage actually concludes um, by the, this low expert saying, to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Verse 33. Interesting that he says that, because in Psalm 51.7, David says that the sacrifices of God. So this loving God is more important than sacrifices, but the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. God will not despise. So he doesn't like also those outer sacrifices in and of themselves, but a broken heart, God will not despise a broken heart. So when was the last time you had a heart check? Loving the Lord your God with all your heart is a matter of character. Secondly, loving the Lord your God with all your soul is a matter of conviction. You see, the soul is a seat of emotions. So we are to love God with, with our souls, with our passions, with our hungers, with our perceptions. And so the question today is, what is it that motivates you? What is it that drives you? What are your convictions? When I was in university, I was introduced to this concept of God's glory among the nations. Um, and I had grown up in a Christian home. Uh, my dad, as an Anglican minister, you know, was, you know, taught us the Bible and, and we, um, you know, we did Christian ministry. But we really didn't have a concept for the nations. I mean, we, we, I, I guess we grew up in a village and we were concerned about what God uh, was doing within our village. But this idea of the nations out there didn't really show up a lot in our, in our conversations or our prayers. And so when I went to uni, I was introduced to the idea of God's desire that all the nations would worship him. I mean, I, I should have known that from the Bible, <laughs> but somehow I didn't. 
And, and so my passion for, for mission was developed in uni as I began to explore what it means for me to be involved in helping bring the good news of Jesus to those nations, people from different ethnic groups that have never known Jesus. And that developed my conviction about sharing my life and giving my life towards missions. I believe Miriam's conviction is about seeing communities transformed through access to medicine. That's why she's giving her life to go to a place you know, where you know, it's difficult, it's challenging. Uh, she hasn't had, had even rest or refreshment in the time that she's been here, but off she goes, and she's so motivated to go back to Togo and to catch up with her friends over there. You know, what is it that motivates people to do things that they do? It's the convictions that they have. But sometimes we end up separating our passions from our relationship with God. We, we sometimes think that God is not interested in our passions or our desires or our, you know, or our, you know, our, or our perceptions. And we, we, it's almost as if the things we do for God are separate from the other things we do for life. And I think the invitation here is for us to love the Lord, our God, with all our souls, all our passions, all our perceptions. We live with this tension of, you know, the things we like doing are different from the things we end up doing every single day. And perhaps we wonder whether the two will ever meet. Wouldn't it be great if your passions and vocation aligned and you are able to express your love for God with everything you do. So that your passions become your convictions. And your convictions become your vocation. And your vocation becomes a lifestyle. Wouldn't that be great? How do your current convictions line up with your love for God? You see, loving the Lord, your God, with all your soul is a matter of conviction. It's about, you know, letting your convictions line up with your love for God and pouring out your passions uh, in your love for God. Thirdly, loving the Lord your God with all your mind is a matter of comprehension. Comprehension. When you love someone, you want to know their likes or their dislikes. See, if I don't know my wife's language of love... I'm more likely to hit and miss if I'm trying to get some brownie points from her. I need to know what she likes. See, loving God means that we get to know, we need to know what he likes, what he doesn't like. Understanding God's heart and character and, and what he's about. It's about engaging our minds in search for truth. My daughter and I have become recently um, interested in the subject of cars. I don't know where I came from, but uh, she loves cars. Rina loves cars. Um, she wants to find out more about cars. So I've now been drawn into this whole new research project around cars, different kinds of cars and engines and, and watching YouTube clips and learning how to fix cars. And um, you see, when you're passionate about something, you're going to spend a lot of time engaging your mind on the subject. Wouldn't you? How about God? When I was a young Christian, I, I read a book by J.I. Parker called Knowing God. And it had a profound impact on my life. Because he had grown up thinking that Christianity is a matter of the heart. 
And it's not so much the, the mind. And I, I sort of, I don't know where I got the idea from, but I'd grown up thinking that actually, you know, you don't need to put your mind too much into Christian stuff. It's about the heart. It's about how you respond. It's about your emotions. God wants our hearts. And I had sort of missed out this whole idea of the mind. But God wants our minds too. I couldn't be farther from the truth. And J.I. Parker, you know, really helped me to see that, you know, God is interested in our minds as well because Christianity is, 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 a, is, a religion, is something about truth. It's all about truth. And when we know the truth, it actually impacts on how we live. And Parker unpacks what it means to know God and the impact that has on us. And so how much do we engage our minds in knowing God? Well, the main way we can do that is through his word. In Psalm 19, 7 to 11, the psalmist speaks of God's word being like sweet, being sweet like honey, bringing light and wisdom and joy, reviving the soul, and those who read it have great reward. I mean, somehow, you know, is that what comes across when you read God's word? You know, does it, does it feel like a, a love relationship with God when, when you go to his word? Or does it feel like the old, old book? God's word is a treasure, and we are to dig it to find more treasure in it. And the more we dig, the more we find treasures in it. In a time in history where Bible literacy levels, especially in Western society, continue to decline, we have an invitation to love God with our minds. And that begins by studying his word. Now, you know, in, in our day and age, there's so many resources that are out there that are available. I've got two apps on my phone that remind me, they wake me up, they remind me what I'm reading, they remind me that I missed two days of, of my reading, they, they, they send me to some cross-references. There is so much resource than ever, any other time in history, to be able to study God's Word and to be able to dig deeper. The same apps have got maps, have got, if you want to read the Bible chronologically, you, you can do that. Uh, you can know where that situation happened. There's so much resource out there. But are we uh, making use of that? There are, you know, if, if you don't like studying the Bible alone, you can, you can catch up with a friend. When was the last time you, you opened the Bible with somebody, a friend, and just, 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 you know, just explored a couple of passages together? Um, I teach uh, a course in theology and one of the things I've been encouraging people uh, studying theology in the western world is to read the Bible with people from other cultures because they tend to see things that we sometimes don't see and so again, the Bible comes alive when you read the Bible with people who are different from you because they will see things that you perhaps do not see uh, my wife, Watere, um, every week goes to Bible study fellowship where they study the Bible together with other women and explore scriptures and, and look at things like, you know, how, you know, hermeneutics and, and a little bit deeper than just reading the, the surface, um, you know, looking at um, the, the story behind the story and what, why, when, you know, you know, so what? What does it mean for me to be able to believe this particular passage? And if you'd like to get deeper, you can do a theology paper. Um, you know, you don't have to sort of be like be ordained or be sort of um, a preacher to be able to study the Bible and do some theology. Do a theology paper. Get a little bit deeper. Um, and so, how are you doing in loving the Lord your God with your mind? Loving the Lord your God with all your mind is a matter of comprehension. Fourthly, loving the Lord your God with all your strength is a matter of competence. 
How many of you can juggle two balls at a, you know, at a time? You know? How many of you like to juggle? Okay? Uh, how about three balls? How about four? How about five? Well, how do you teach someone how to juggle? Well, the only way you teach someone how to juggle is by juggling. No, there's no shortcut. You just do it. It's by doing it. You know, like you can go and watch a YouTube clip, of a, but it's different. Um, you know, you've got to do it several times until you actually get to become good at it. Uh, and that's why so many uh, professions have got um, apprenticeships, you know, where you know, people develop ministry skills uh, or, or skills in their professions um, by learning from somebody else who is an expert. I love a, a beautiful passage in Psalm where where it says that David, um, God took David uh, from the sheep, looking after sheep, and he made him a shepherd of his people. And, and verse 71 of Psalm 78 says, And David shepherded God's people, uh, in verse 72, with integrity of heart, and he guided them with skillful hands. He had skill in the way that he provided leadership. One of my regrets um, in life is that as I grew up, I ended up becoming pretty average. Actually, not, average is not, probably not the right word. I ended up becoming pretty uh, dismal in a lot of the skills that I was developing. You know, I can play the guitar, but just, I mean, I'm not really good at it. That's why you've not seen me here. Um, I can play the keyboard, but just... Um, I set the bar too low. I did, not, I did not become good at any of those things, so I end up not actually using them in the way I could have. It's one of my regrets that in my best times of when I was keen to learn, I never really became good at those things. I never stretched that competence muscle that I could have at the time, because I love music. And I admire people who, who, who can play instruments skillfully. I love that. But I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I didn't get to do that. And I, you know, I guess you can try at my age, you know, to sort of go back. I've heard of someone who at their 60, uh, I think in their 60s are learning how to play the piano. I think you can do that. But how, what skills are you developing in ministry? How are you learning to lead, to disciple people, to mentor, maybe to learn another language, to care for people? How are you developing competence in those skills so that you can be the best you can be as you serve God in the areas of your conviction? Loving the Lord your God with all your strength is a matter of competence. Developing competence in areas where God has gifted you so that you can love God with those things. Finally, loving the Lord your God, with, uh, loving your neighbor as yourself, that's the final one. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself is a matter of compassion. You see, Jesus is at work around us and invites us to join him in our expression of our love for him. And often that happens when we meet people. Our love for God will of necessity lead to acts of compassion because our love for Christ drives us to love others. Jesus said in Matthew 25, whatever you did to the least of this, you did it for me. So we say we love God, well, let's show it by how we love our neighbors. And so how do we stretch that compassion muscle? Well, we can pray that God will draw people to us that we can love. Um, 
And we, if we do so, if you do ever make that prayer, you're obligated to follow through. Because God's going to bring people your way that you are to show compassion. And so if you do pray, Lord, bring people my way that I want to you know, share your love with. Uh, be prepared for what he's going to do. Um, I did hear a story recently of a person who pray, made that prayer and um, God brought a homeless person. And, and it's like God was saying to the, the person, well, I'd like you to offer this person a home. Well, um, and it was quite a bit of a struggle, but finally he spoke with his wife and they invited this person in. And, um, and that person's life was transformed. Um, and it's interesting that um, in Luke, this passage, loving your neighbor yourself, is followed by the story of the Good Samaritan. A good reminder there about, you know, when we pray that God would bring people our way, he actually does that. He did it with the Good Samaritan, and he wasn't prepared when he walked on that road, Jerusalem to Jericho, to meet someone injured on the way, and yet he responded with love. And so, the more we respond spontaneously with love, the more we become, it becomes easier to respond without strain when, when we need to show acts of compassion. And so loving the Lord with all our hearts is a matter of character. Loving the Lord with all our souls is a matter of conviction. Loving the Lord with our mind is a matter of comp- comprehension. Loving the Lord with all our strength is a matter of competence. And then loving our neighbor as ourselves is a matter of compassion. There is an invitation here for us to go deeper in our love for God. And that starts with a God-oriented heart, desires, hearts, thoughts that permeates our behavior and our speaking, that influences the choices we make, how we spend our money, how we dress, how we drive, the forms of entertainment that we engage into, how we eat, how we sing, how we joke, how we blog, how we text, how we draw. All this uh, drawing out the place where the love for the Lord Jesus is to be supreme. Now, we know that that's true, like, you know, for this particular lawyer, law expert. He knew that that was true. He answered correctly. No, no question about that. He, he told Jesus, well, you are, you've answered correctly. And then Jesus tells him, very interesting, we didn't read this part, but verse 34 says, Jesus finished that conversation by saying, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. It's a very interesting little verse. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Basically what Jesus is saying is knowing the staff is a good thing. It sets you on the right path, but doesn't get you there. It's doing the staff that gets you there. In Luke, this same passage ends with the words, do this and you will live. Knowing the staff is good, but it's actually doing the staff that gets you there. And so, how do we do that? Well, we need to pray that God's spirit would enable us to love God. Because we can't do that by our own strength, can we? See, the Bible says the Holy Spirit pours God's love in our hearts. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to allow him to pour his love in our hearts so we can rediscover that God is to be our greatest joy, our greatest love, our greatest treasure. That delighting in God's love is coming to the place where we are satisfied with God in every area of our lives, where we recognize that God is enough and nothing can separate us from his love. Why do we love? What's the motivation for love? Because he first loved us. You know, he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on our, on our behalf. And so we delight in God who takes away um, our appetite for sinful pleasures 
You know, our delight in God makes suffering bearable and gives us hope. Enables us to be able to pour our love, um, his love, to our broken world. And so stretch those love muscles. Because it's the only way to live. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you are a God who cannot not only be known, but can be loved. And so we pray that you may give us the grace we ask that we would love you with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And that we would host fast to you in love, delighting ourselves always in you. We pray that you may pour your love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit so that Jesus Christ may be very precious to us. He may become our beloved and our friend. We ask that you would let the love of Christ control us as we live, so that we will not live for ourselves, but for him who died and was raised again. And finally, we ask that you may bless us with the gift of tears, to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, or the loss of all that they cherish, so that we may reach out our hands to comfort them in compassion, at the impulse of your love and transform their pain into joy. And so, Lord, we pray that you may take our lives and let them be consecrated to you. Lord, I pray that you may take my love, my Lord, I pour, so that I will ever only be yours. I ask these things in your name. Amen.